Well, it's good to see you again and to welcome you to our Sunday School Hour at Graceway Baptist Church. And for those of you who are teaching, may the Lord bless you and give you insight because you have to take this information from the Word and apply it to your class and to your particular age group. And uh, I know sometimes that is a challenging thing, and so I pray that the Lord blesses you and that your class members are able to connect with you and understand uh, what you're saying and that they will have the interest to learn it and to grow by it and to apply it unto their lives and then maybe someday pass it on to someone else. And then for those of you who are watching this just because you want to keep up with our Sunday school lessons, thank you for doing that and may the Lord bless you and encourage you as you do that because uh, that really is a, a good thing that you're doing and I'm glad that you're doing it and pray that the Lord blesses you on that. This is our Sunday School lesson for Sunday, April the 2nd of 2023. Hey, Easter is really just right around the corner. And I would uh, encourage you to use the upcoming Easter uh, holiday to uh, tell people about Jesus and to invite people to church, invite people to even Sunday School. I know a lot of times we invite them to church but encourage your class to invite people to come and join them in Sunday school. Um, that way they can get to know you and they can get to know the people in the class and uh, that can help them bond with our fellowship. And that's really what uh, we want to do. And so uh, I want to encourage you to do that uh, in any way that you can. Now we're still in Ecclesiastes and uh, our scripture this morning is Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and it's just verse 1. And the title of this is Pray for Young People. Now, um, don't worry, those of you who are older, next week we're going to tell young people to pray for you. But one of the things that uh, we have to remember is if we are going to have our movement, our uh, faith and everything carry on, we've got to impact younger people. It can't just be old people. Old people uh, get old and they get sick and they die off and they have limited capabilities and those kind of things. You've got to replenish and replace yourself with younger people. And of course, I know that uh, the sovereignty of God plays into all of that. And so uh, that's why we have this pray for young people and pray not just for future young people that are going to come up, but pray for the ones that we have right now. They have some tremendous, tremendous uh, opportunities. Uh, almost every movement of any kind of revival or something like that seems to start among young people. They're positive, they're enthusiastic, they're optimistic, and they have energy, and many times they also have plenty of time and um uh, they have networks and friends and things like that. And so it seems like whenever things happen among the, the young people, it really gets the momentum going. And we've seen that time after time in various revivals, movements, and awakenings in our nation's history. And we've also probably all experienced that in church groups as well. There's just something about it. When young people get excited for Christ, great things happen. And so uh, if that's going to take place as we want it to, then we certainly need to pray for them. And when Solomon, as 
He's kind of an old, crusty man when he writes this book and a little bit cynical when you uh, think about vanity of vanities, all is vanity, it means empty. Uh, this is a guy who's done it all, tried it all, he's lived it all out, and he's come to the end of his life and all of those things that he thought would make him happy, that he thought would make him be fulfilled and influential and all of that, it, it just came up with a big goose egg when it's all said and done. And there are certain aspects of life where all of us kind of feel that way. And we wish we had done more uh, at the end of our life. We wish we had done more of certain things and less of other things. We wish, and uh, maybe by the time we start getting older, we realize what really is valuable, what really matters, and what doesn't matter. And we never want to get to the point to where we just don't care. That's a dangerous place to get to. And sometimes you find older people that just don't care anymore. And it's because life has been uh, hard or maybe it's been empty like Solomon's life was. And what's the point of doing anything like that? Now, the reason we are kind of uh, looking at this verse in this particular way is because I think what brings the joy of living and what brings fulfillment in life is to pour our life into other people. That's uh, why Paul said in Titus chapter 2, older women teach younger women and older men teach younger men. Uh, we've got to pass our faith along. We've got to pass our wisdom along. And we don't always do a good job at that. And that's not always the fault of old people not teaching younger people. Sometimes it's the fault of younger people not wanting to listen to anyone who is older. I mean, after all, if you can't figure out your iPhone, how smart can you possibly be is the way some of them uh, look at life. And yet there's so many things that are more important than technology and they transcend te technology because they're just simply principles for living that are eternal principles that come out of the Word of God. And to make a marriage work in the 21st century takes the same thing that it took in the first century. And uh, the Word of God addresses those kind of things. And the way to raise children in the first century still applies in the 21st century. And uh, sometimes we kind of don't make those connections. And so anytime we read the Bible, we've got to go back to what the intent of the author was. And once we understand the intent of the author, then we can, um, uh, and, and also the audience that was being written to, if we can kind of get under their skin and get into their, crawl into their minds, and we understand it the way the author intended it and the audience understood it, then we can take it and we can bridge the gap, language gap, culture gap, uh, the gap of history, uh, and time, all of that to bring it up to date where we are right now. But we don't want to start there or we'll get things out of context and we'll get things out of order. So when we think about Solomon, obviously he had a heart for younger people. And it seems to be that in this book, this book that uh, he expresses so much of his cynicism, he also has a heart for those who are coming up after him. And let's also remember that the entire book of Proverbs is a father writing things down for his son so that the next generation can be better equipped uh, for ruling as, as the king. 
And uh, maybe Solomon kind of felt when he took over the throne from David, maybe he felt like David didn't do just a really good job of preparing him for all of that. And so he wanted to do a better job for his son. Now, obviously, again, the old people have to do it and the young people have to hear it in order for it to work. How can we make young people really hear and get what we're talking about instead of being so um, superficial about things? Well, I think the only way we can do that is to pray for them. This has to be a work of God that makes a younger person want to have the wisdom of an older person. And uh, they've got to see value in it, and they've got to see the purpose of it, and they've got to see that it transcends time and culture and all of those kind of things. And uh, I think sometimes, as a former young person, all of us can look back and remember there were those times when we just thought the old people just don't get it. They started calling it a generation gap. And uh, some of us that I'm speaking to today, you kind of came of age during the time of the generation gap and your parents didn't understand you. They didn't understand your music. They didn't understand if you were a guy, the length of your hair. They didn't understand why uh, some of you that were ladies wanted to wear, you know, what you wore, mini skirts and those kind of things. Nothing made sense between the generations. And that was important because before then, there were always those connecting points between the generations. They had to have each other and they depended upon each other for thousands and thousands of years. And yet we kind of get the idea that even reading Solomon's writings, that there was a kind of a generation gap even back when he was writing these type of things. And so we want to bridge that and to do that for the glory of God and to do that so that we can see young people to be reached with the gospel, to have them trust Christ as their Savior and Lord, uh, the joy of seeing them baptized and watching them grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, and also to be able to impart some wisdom to them so that they don't have to make the same mistakes that we did. And that's kind of a problem. We just get cyclical on all of this and, and we start making the same mistakes that other people have made instead of learning and growing from those things. And uh, that's what I see. And I want to ask you who are older to pray for young couples. And, and when I say pray for young people, I'm not just talking about teenagers. Certainly they would be included in that. But college students and to pray for uh, young couples and to pray for those who have younger children and those who were newer in their marriage and those kind of things, they're, they're all around us. And not just in the church, but even people that are outside of the church as well. We forget sometimes our responsibility to pray for people. And I'm talking about celebrities and athletes, entertainers, people like that, as well as maybe the neighbor kid down the street that maybe he's a little bit annoying and that kind of thing, but uh, you have an obligation to pray for him, or if it's a girl, for her, and to witness to them. Maybe it's your own grandchildren. I would encourage you to be praying for your grandchildren and your children and pray for them every day if possible. And uh, they're, they're under a lot of attack. And I want you to consider as we go through this lesson, 
just how limited younger people are. They don't have the wisdom and they don't have the life experience that you have. And uh, keep in mind, just as if you're getting older, I watched John MacArthur the other day at the Shepherds Conference. Um, he's having a lot of health problems. And uh, at that particular time, this is uh, in the early part of March, he had not preached in his pulpit since the first week, first Sunday of January. He had some heart problems and had some weaknesses there. And then he also took a fall. He had a place on his head that uh, looked pretty bad and he had broken his wrist. And they were interviewing him and it was his first time really back at the church since all that happened. And he had a cast on his arm and he was even wearing a ball cap to kind of cover up his head. And that's really uncharacteristic for him. He's a suit and tie guy. And as they were interviewing him, he said, well, he said, uh, I was doing something for my wife, Patricia. And he goes, and uh, I came into contact with an immovable object. And uh, that's when he got hurt. And he said, you'll have to bear with me. He goes, I've never been this age before. Okay, that struck me. None of us have. And those who are younger, they've never been old. They don't understand you. And those who were old, we have been young. We ought to have a little bit more understanding and compassion for those who are younger. We ought to have a soft spot in our heart for them because there's a lot that they don't know and they don't know that they don't know it. See, that's, that's a problem as well. And they don't understand what it's like to be old and hopefully uh, next week's lesson will give them a little bit of insight from King Solomon about uh, what it's like. And uh, think about all of the things that young people today face that you never had to face. We never had an internet. You know, uh, I wonder how tempting it is for kids now in school to cheat because they have Google and to uh, cheat because they can text each other or something like that. I never had to worry about that, did you? That, that wasn't even a possibility back when I was in school. And uh, think about all of the availability of pornography. Uh, back when I was uh, uh, younger, uh, you, to get pornography was kind of a challenge. And uh, usually magazines or something like that. And I can remember even before cable TV was coming along, but cable made it uh, pretty accessible as well. And uh, HBO and Cinemax, they used to call it, I'd hear preachers talk about HBO, Hell's Box Office, and Cinemax was Sin to the Max, those kind of things. And uh, that was one way to get it. Maybe you found a magazine or maybe you got a, an older person to buy you something like that at a convenience store and bring it out to you and you paid them or something. Um, most of the time, I remember a preacher, an older preacher, when I was young, he was talking about the explosion of pornography in the 80s, okay? Well, think about that. As bad as that was, that is nothing compared to what's going on now. The average age of exposure to pornography is way down in the elementary grades right now. And if you think, oh, well, my son or my daughter or my grandchild, they would never do that. You're kidding yourself. 
because even if they won't, or even if you have it set up where they can't, their friends have smartphones and they pass that stuff along. And uh, just think back when you were uh, young, uh, if anybody said to you the word sexting, do you know what that is? You probably do. You would not have known it when you were younger because that kind of technology didn't exist. And when you have people now that uh, maybe a girl wants to get a guy's attention and so she takes a, a nude photo of herself and then texts it to a guy and he didn't even ask for it. Maybe he didn't even want it, but now he's seen it and he can't unsee it. Those kind of things were not a temptation to us because they didn't exist. And think about all of the things that kids in this day and age are exposed to that we never ever had to deal with. So sometimes I think we're a little bit unfair in acting like maybe back in our day, we didn't do that kind of stuff. And maybe it's not so much because we had such great character. Maybe it's just because we couldn't. I used to hear my dad talk to me, you know, when I would complain about going to school and having to catch a bus. Well, I just wish when I was your age, I had had a bus to get on. I had to walk to school several miles and that kind of thing. You know, it meant a lot to me when there was a time after he got older, he wrote me a letter and uh, was telling me some things that he admired about me and some things that he wished for me. And uh, it was just kind of written out as a blessing uh, for Greg. And uh, it meant a lot to me. And one of the things he said in there is he said, I apologize for making you think that in my day, the way that we had to live somehow uh, made us better people than you. He said, because the truth of the matter is when I was walking to school, if a big yellow warm school bus had pulled up, I would have been on it in a New York minute. And I wouldn't have continued to walk because I'm just a better person. And that made me a better person. He goes, I would have done the same thing as you. And that was one of those things that really blessed me because it kind of released me from some of the guilt and a little bit of condemnation and that kind of thing that uh, he had put on me by acting as though poverty was a virtue when he did everything he could to make sure I wasn't raised in the same poverty that he was raised in. I mean, you know, if the Great Depression was so wonderful, we ought to be praying for that and working for that and making sure that we all are poor and making sure that we don't have things. But we know that that's not really the answer. The answer is uh, our character and really the human heart. And uh, that's where our problems lie as well, in character and the heart. And so uh, when we think about young people, let's not condemn them and let's not act as though if we were being raised in this particular era, we wouldn't have the problems with drugs and alcohol and pornography and things like that, that they do. We probably would be even worse. Wouldn't you agree? And so we ought to be, instead of just pointing out all of their flaws, we ought to be aware and cognizant of the struggles that they face that we can't even relate to. And yet to know that what Solomon wrote all of these thousands of years ago is so relevant for our day. And this is what we need to be praying for and we need to proclaim to them. In uh, Ecclesiastes 12.1, it uh, tells us something that we really ought to be praying about and uh, we ought to be instructing them in and uh, 
considering all of the serious issues that they face. Somebody said one time that almost every problem that an adult, a mature adult, a middle-aged adult has can be traced back to things in their childhood and in their teen years, to mistakes that they made, to uh, sins that they committed, to things that they were exposed to. And I think we can all see that without getting all psychological and Freudian. You know, it's my mother's fault and that kind of stuff. We don't need to go there. We know that uh, it's our fault because of our human heart and because of our sin nature. But so many times those problems and those uh, sin issues that you experienced, whether it was your sin or somebody sinning against you, um, they, they just don't go away. In fact, I could probably, if we were sitting down one-on-one, -on -one, uh, talk to you for a little bit and uh, kind of surmise that you uh, have some hang-ups and you have some problems. And if we could uh, identify those and talk about them, you could probably take me back to a time when you were maybe in first grade, second grade, third grade, something like that, and you were very young, and something that somebody said, something that somebody did, or something that somebody should have done but they didn't do, and an authority figure, maybe they said something, a teacher, maybe it was um, a friend, maybe it was a parent, something like that, and you can still remember it, and you can still remember what you were wearing, you can still remember where you were, and you can still remember that thing, and it still stings, doesn't it? And so we need to be praying for young people because this is uh, something very important. And we're not just trying to steal their fun or tell them they shouldn't enjoy life. We want them to enjoy life. That's a blessing from God. But the Bible says in chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes verse 1, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. Remember now. That emphasizes it's for today. It's for this particular time in your life. And do it in the days of your youth. And then he goes on to say, Before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. And so um, we need to think about this. We just have three points we're going to look at today. And uh, the first one, as we pray for them, we need to pray that they will realize that they are accountable. Now, he has the word remember there, and it makes me sad because a lot of younger people now, they don't really have any memories of anything because their parents didn't take them to church. They didn't think it was important. They don't really know Bible stories. You can run into uh, more people than I ever would have imagined that they don't know who David and Goliath were. They don't know the story of Jesus. They don't know. In fact, um, one time a few years ago, we were going through Esther in our Sunday school class, and I said something about, I said, well, we had the advantage, of course, we know how all of this ends. And there was a, a young lady in our class who was new to our church, and she was also new to the Christian faith, and she goes, please don't say that. She goes, there are some of us who have no idea how this story ends. And it's just mind-boggling to think that people are no longer raised in all of this. But then I think about my education. My mother talked about being in high school, and had, they had the Ten Commandments on the wall, and they learned the Ten Commandments, and they would even have a Bible study as a class 
in that era. They studied the Bible as a form of literature, but nonetheless, they were studying it. And uh, that didn't exist when I was in high school. And then I look back and I see that there was a time in, in uh, American history when first graders were taught to read and they had each letter of the alphabet and they had a Bible verse attached to that in public schools. And uh, A was Adam and uh, it had a verse out of Romans for an Adam all die. And it actually presented the gospel through all of that. I mean, none of us living now can even relate to any of those kind of times. Maybe you are old enough to where you can remember when you started every day with the Pledge of Allegiance and with a Bible verse or a Bible story and a word of prayer. Well, that's long been gone and illegal when it comes to our public education system. I'm 63 and I've never, I've never seen that. It was illegal before I started uh, kindergarten. And so uh, when we think about these things, what do our kids now know? We say, remember now your creator. Well, they don't even know that they have a creator. They've been taught for all of these years that they uh, evolved out of, <coughs> from animals. And along with that means that there is no creator. So we tell them, remember your creator. Well, they've got to be taught about the creator. And they've got to be taught that they are created by God and that they have worth and purpose and meaning in their life because they are human beings made in the image of God. And uh, so we need to understand and kind of rethink even the way we pray for them that they might even become acquainted with the fact and consider the fact that there even is a God and that that God has created them and that they have an accountability to God. Hebrews 9.27 says, It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. And we wonder why people aren't concerned about that. It's because they don't believe it. And they don't even have any idea that there is an afterlife. They don't have any idea that there is any kind of a judgment. And they don't have any idea that there is a creator that holds them accountable. And uh, so they come up with all kinds of weird things and alternative things. And so uh, we wonder why they don't seem to have any purpose and why so many of them commit suicide. That, that's just going through the roof right now among younger people who ought to be so optimistic and looking forward, they're not. They're giving up and they're checking out. Why is that? Because we've taken away all the hope and all of the purpose and everything that goes with it. And uh, we're going to have to pray that back in. And a lot of them just simply say, uh, there is no God, there is no morality, there is nothing like that at all, and therefore they see no judgment, and uh, they don't see sin as being an issue, just a mistake, or just it's your choice, you can do whatever you want to do, and they don't think about the afterlife at all. And that's why Solomon says that. Apparently, that's been a problem for a long time, but I think it's actually worse now. So you need to be praying for um, our kids in the nursery and our kids in preschool and our kids in the children's department and their teachers and our kids in the youth department and in our uh, college-age kids. And we need to be praying for those in our church and those outside of our church. Number two, we need to pray that they will see that their time is passing. Uh, I didn't really think when I was 17 that I was ever going to die. I did foolish things, and I didn't really see myself as being mortal. 
Uh, and I don't think, don't take that as literal as it sounds. I mean, of course I knew that I was going to die and that people die and that everybody dies. I would have said that. I just didn't think that I was going to die at that time. It just didn't seem to be a possibility. And whenever it does happen, it's so far off that by the time I get there, I probably won't care because uh, I think when I was a teenager, I thought that old people got to the point to where they just look forward to dying and, uh, you know, checking out of things. And I wasn't anywhere near that. I still had a lot of living to do. Well, time goes by and I find myself here at my age and my stage of life. And um, I know something that my grandchildren don't know. They're going to get old as well if they live. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously people die when they're young. And uh, Billy Joel said, only the good die young. I don't think he was right about that, but he was right about the fact that sometimes young people do die, don't they? And uh, the only alternative is to get old. And being old carries with it certain uh, difficulties. And uh, where do I get this number two, that they will see their time is passing and Solomon said, remember your, now your creator in the days of your youth. Now that has strong implication that you're not always going to be in the days of your youth. And that's the one thing that they don't believe. The young, they think that they will always be young. They think that they're always going to be mobile. They're always going to be seeing and hearing well. They think that they're always going to be agile. They think that they're always going to be adventurous. All of those things are going to be there. They cannot uh, fathom of a time when, uh, you know, they, they would rather just sit in their recliner with the TV remote or anything like that at all. And uh, they see serving God as something for later. One of these days, one of these days, even kids raised in church, one of these days I'm going to get serious about serving God, but not now. Now, I've got too much living I want to do. I'm having too much fun right now, but later I'll do that. Now, when I get to be in my 80s or 90s or something like that, then I'll, then I'll give God the rest of my life. And they see it a lot of times as something for older people. I remember one time hearing somebody say, well, that's just the way older people think. And all I had done was just say something that the Bible said and I was accused of, that's just the way older people think. And I was only in my 40s at that particular time. But that's just the way old people think. Well, that's probably what you thought when you were young, too. And uh, whenever we talked about the sweet old lady in church teaching Sunday school, she's a saintly old lady. And we kind of thought, you know, well, I'll maybe be like her when I get older, but not now. Right now, you know, we're going to have some fun. We're going to live it up. And uh, the world is pulling at them and tempting them. I thought of 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Think about that. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that's what drives everybody. That's what motivates everybody outside of Christ. Is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. Have you ever talked about somebody that died and you said, oh, they passed away in their sleep? Well, John says, 
That's what the world is doing. It is dying as we speak, passing away. And the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And we need to pray for young people that they will see early in their life the significance and the importance of knowing God and following his will and understanding that the world is on a death, a downward death spiral, isn't it? And number three, we need to pray. And uh, I probably should have worded this point a little differently. Uh, It starts with the word that, and maybe we should uh, start it with the word because. We need to pray for our young people because the future may be more difficult than they imagine. In fact, I'm going to say this. It may be more difficult for our young people than you imagine because they may actually be the first generation that is literally persecuted in our country and in our culture. I mean, can you imagine some of these, you know, snot-nosed little kids that are running around here, maybe among the first that actually go to prison for their faith or worse. We have no idea on that. And they don't either. And they think that life is just going to be a lot of fun and, you know, um, everything's going to be great and hunky-dory on everything. Well, there may be a real price to pay. And we know that life does get harder as you get older and as your responsibilities increase and as your physical and mental uh, abilities diminish. But at the same time, maybe it's going to be in a different uh, uh, capacity than we have really thought about. And Solomon says, before the difficult days come. Difficult days could be disease. Difficult days could be economy. Difficult days could be war. Difficult days could be persecution. And we need to think about that. We have a responsibility to pray for them, to minister to them, and to train them, and to show them the Lord, and to teach them the Word of God so that they are ready whenever the difficult days might come. No one really plans for a hard life. We think it's all going to be easy and blessed and and uh, fulfilled and all that kind of stuff. No one plans for a hard life, but life can be cruel, can't it? And there is no way to avoid sorrows or pressures in this life. They're always going to come. Pressure, stress, grief, disappointment, disillusionment, betrayal. Even Jesus, pardon me, went through some of those things, didn't he? And he did nothing wrong, nothing to deserve them. And the world and life is hard, but God is good. And that's one thing that we've got to teach them. Life is hard, God is good. Life is hard, and God is good. And we've got to prepare them for those things. John 16, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world." A confidence in God and in his sovereignty and in his plan and in his purpose. And to know that you were made by him and you were made for a purpose. And he has saved you for a purpose. And he has equipped you and gifted you for a purpose. And uh, we are to give the glory to God. And we've got to model that as well as teach it. And so many, conclusion here, so many miss the joy of serving God because they believe the myth that there will be a better, easier time to serve God. I mean, after 
you know, we get our family and our career established, then we'll have time to serve God. Well, when does that ever happen? After the kids are in school, that's going to be the time. Then, preacher, I'll have all kinds of time to volunteer at the church and to uh, do charitable work and all of that. And one of these days, we're going we're to have that. And then it turns into, well, after they graduate from high school, then we're going to have a lot of time. Well, after we get through working and we retire, then we're going to have all this time. And uh, boy, sadly for most people, that day never, ever comes. A question just to end on, how many do you know who have let their life just slip on by? Where did the time go? And why didn't I do this? Well, I always intended for these things to happen, but I never just got around to it. Well, that's the problem that we have. Life, the Bible says, is a vapor. And we need to pray for our younger people that they will know that life is a vapor. So remember now, your creator, in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the days come where you say, I have no pleasure in them because those days do indeed come. So with that being said, may the Lord bless you and may you be awakened to people all around you whether you're going through a drive through at McDonald's and a teenager hands you a Coke and a Big Mac, th- that's somebody you ought to be thinking about and you ought to be praying for and we ought to be kind to them and we want to be engaging to them. We want them to say about us, man, I'd like to be like that when I grow up and when I get older. And uh, we want to be modeling those kind of things. But of course, we're doing it not for popularity, but for the glory of God. Well, That's enough, and uh, we're finished here, and uh, I hope that that is a blessing and an encouragement to you. So once again, as I said at the very beginning, thank you so much for your time, and God bless you, and we will see you next week.